Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Please help me welcome Alexander Pagani. Alexander Pagani, how are you doing tonight? God bless. Um, favor be upon everybody in Jesus' name. I am excited. You want to know why I'm excited? Because I am officially on. on YouTube. And we're taking this revelation of deliverance to the next level. So just as Isaiah said, we want everyone, if you're loving this channel, um, if you're watching this live on a replay, go and subscribe to our channel because we're going to be broadcasting live on Monday, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which means it's an hour and a, a hour break between Isaiah's live broadcast. So Monday night is going to be for deliverance all over the world. So I'm excited. But tonight, I am absolutely excited. We've been talking about this topic for the last three weeks and about a month that we wanted to come on and jump right into this topic about the origin of demons and their connection to the Nephilim. So I'm excited, Isaiah. I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. And listen, I'm excited to have you on YouTube because the spiritual warfare deliverance niche genre is very scarce on YouTube. I honestly feel before you jumped on YouTube, I'm like, I feel like I'm the only one I'm by myself and I'm getting, you know, all these other YouTubers with apologetics and doctrine and there's thousands of them. And I'm like, where are the people that are going to blow the trumpet for spiritual warfare, set people free through YouTube and really take over the platform. That's our goal is to take over the platform for the glory of God and so I'm glad that you've jumped on board with this and you're helping me reach people on YouTube. I'm super excited. And this is one thing, Alexander, I want to just jump into on why it's so important. People are watching right now saying, I've never heard of the Nephilim. I don't know what the Nephilim is. Why is it important that we know about or preach about or discuss the Nephilim? And here's why. Because in Matthew 24, Jesus said this. Everybody listen closely. As in the days of Noah, so yes. will it be in the second coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, angels, and let me just give you a warning. Listen, if you have kids in the room, some of the stuff we say, I'm going to tell you right now, is not going to be appropriate for kids. So I'm telling you right now, listener discretion advice, I'm warning you if you have kids, it's up to you whether you want them to hear this. And I want to say that before I say this. In the days of Noah, Alexander, angels fallen angels were having sexual relations this is in your bible we're going to give you all scripture tonight having sexual relations with humans and the bible says as in those days the extreme violence the lawlessness the disregard i just feel the fire of god already for all things holy is going to keep increasing what we see right now with violence lawlessness corruption deception demonic activity and even alexander you know this to be true people that we're doing deliverance on every time i'm dealing with people in deliverance they're telling me isaiah nobody knows this but demons are coming at night and having sex with me nobody believes me everyone thinks i'm crazy you might say well that doesn't happen you don't know it happens because people are afraid to tell their pastor to tell leaders this is a reality that just doesn't just go back to genesis chapter 6 but it's still happening today people are right. still dealing with this and so we need to talk about the nephilim many of you probably have no clue so we're going to describe who they are what they are and really we need to establish our basic, I guess you'd say foundation, I'll toss it here to you if you want to just go over some foundation and some, I guess you'd say some pre-warnings before we go into this. Genesis 6 
is our text that we're going to be going through a lot tonight and it's going to be describing the nephilim so if you're going where's that in the bible it goes all the way back to genesis chapter 6 and we're going to describe you guys some of this but go ahead alexander give them some pre-warnings about what we're going to talk about before we jump into this tonight well the first thing that i want to say is this um that this particular topic that we're going to be expounding on today is not absolute in scripture it is what we would consider plausible theology or presuppositional theology we presuppose that this is what the bible is saying but through the spirit of the law and by the spirit of god we can see that it is the way that we see it based on how god is showing it to us now the reason why i have to say that is this because it's not absolutely uh, true in the sense of absolution, like canon, which means established as without error, um, this lets us know that this topic is a non-salvation topic. It's good. So I want everybody, I want everybody to understand that this is a non-salvation topic. Now, to let me know that you understand what I am saying is this: write it in the chat room. Non-salvation topic. This lets me know that you understand that we could explore uh, this particular topic without it being held to the confines of you're in error or you're in heresy or you're completely off or this is sensational or, you know, some sort of extreme esoteric knowledge. No, this is a non-salvation topic. But I would tell you this. Yes, it does come from the book of Enoch, but the book of Enoch is quoted in the Bible. Because Jude, which was the biological brother of Jesus, his name was Judas, and to not get confused with Judas Iscariot, he was surnamed Jude, J-U-D-E, which is the second to the last book of the Bible. He actually quotes from the book of Enoch. So the early church and the early patriarchs, including Moses, the book of Enoch was common knowledge. Now, let me just throw this out there as well. In 1948, when a young shepherd boy discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, not only did we find uh, uh, portions and parchments of the 66 books of the Bible, the book of Enoch was also included uh, amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. So this is common knowledge and widely accepted that the early church Um, did embrace as a worldview the Enochian. It's called the Enochian because it's coming um, from Enoch. Now, where did Jude get this prophecy that Enoch said? We find it, it says, and Enoch prophesied and said, the Lord is coming with thousands and ten thousands of his saints. Well, he got it from the book of Enoch. And if it's quoted in the book of Jude, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 7, that he's citing from the book of Enoch, then it's safe to say that we can go to the book of Enoch to provide commentary on the 66 books of the Bible. It doesn't substitute the 66 books of the Bible, but it provides commentary and it amplifies our biblical, canonical worldview. So non-salvation topic. The second thing that I want to say is this, uh, is this, uh, for those of you that are listening, um, the book of Hebrews chapter five, let me read something to you. It says, uh, the author is writing, uh, to those that are reading the book of Hebrews. Now watch this. I want to, I'm laying a foundation before we jump in. Uh, look what it says. It says, there is much more we would like to say about this. This is Hebrews chapter five, verse 11 through 14. 
the author, who is believed to be either Paul or Apollos, he's writing and he says this, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Okay, now stop right there. The author's letting us know that there is an entry, elementary level to the word, and then there's a mature level to the word. Now, what he's writing here is a rebuke and an admonition. He's basically saying that I want to take you deeper, but because I realize that you're so Chuck E. Cheese and Willy Wonka and babysitting evangelical, that you're not ready for me to even tell you some of the some of the more mature things because you quickly default into, I never heard that before. Where's that in the Bible? That's heresy. So the author is actually saying that the mature level of scripture is predicated upon those who are mature listeners. Mm. And this is what we want to say is tonight we are not catering or pandering to baby Christians. Come on. This is for the mature tonight. This is for those of us who want to go deeper. And if you want to go deeper, say something in the chat room. But let me read something. Let me continue reading what the author finishes saying. He says, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Look at what verse 13 says. For someone who lives on milk, and baby, I'm telling you tonight, there will be no milk. No milk today in this topic. Look at this. For those who live on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. The King James Version says to discern. Discernment is not an impartation. It is developed through training, which means someone has to push the envelope. Tonight, me and Isaiah, we're going to push the envelope. We got no time to be arguing with people tonight on whether the sons of God were evil kings. No, the Bible says the sons of God were angels and they had intercourse with the daughters of men. We're not going to minimize or humanize the text to fit our westernized view of scripture. Today, we are going to easternize our worldview, and we're going to see things from a Middle Eastern, patriarchal, Mesopotamian, Shemite perspective, which means we're going to the Middle East, and we're going to view things from their perspective, and we're going to train you, and we're going to push you through this. Now, the reason why I have to say this is because we don't want to be able to have the default and stop and explain points along the way because the babes are in the room. We're encouraging all babes in Christ, get ready for your growth tonight. Now, watch this. Now, watch this. Look at this. The third thing that I want to say is this, is we're not going to slow down for you. You must catch up. Come on. God is going to strengthen your legs and speed up the acceleration on your feet so that you could run alongside with us so that way we don't have to slow down and to keep looking back as to who's back there. 
No, today God is saying there will be no slowing down. You must catch up. And we are saying that the spirit of God is going to anoint you so that you can catch up tonight. And that's what we're going to do. And that's the foundation that we want to lay before we go any further is non-salvation topic. Second, it's time to mature. And number three is we're not going to slow down. God is going to help you catch up. So good. So I want to jump into, as we said, our base text, and then later we'll go into some deeper stuff, is Genesis chapter 6, which says, Then human beings begin to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them. So there's humans increasing on the earth. The sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them that they chose. Then the Lord said, and watch what happens here, guys. My spirit will not always contend with humans forever for they're mortal and their days will now be 120 years. And then listen very close. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans, had sex with the daughters of humans and had children by the daughters of humans. They were the heroes of old men of renown. The Lord saw how wicked the human race had become and the every inclination and thought of humans were evil all the time and the lord regretted that he made humans so here we see fallen angels having sex with humans and this was the point where god says wickedness has gone too far enough is enough and god decides to flood the earth now what's interesting alexander is right here it says and this is the bible says not just these days but afterward remember in genesis 6 after the flood there's still going to be giants now why did it say that because moses wrote Genesis after the flood. So Moses is going forward, looking back, saying even after the flood, there's going to be these hybrids, these giant type people on the earth. So here's here's the question. I know a lot of you are gonna ask this in the chat, you're gonna spam it. And this has been the big debate and you touched on this, Alexander. Are the, is this text talking about the sons of Seth? And we're not gonna take an hour on this. The sons of Seth are these natural humans the sons of Seth having sex with women, or are these fallen angels? So you have to understand something. The word sons of God in this Hebraic iteration is only found four to five times in the Hebrew Bible. One time right. is right here in Genesis 6. The next time is in Job 1, 6, where it says there yes. was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came with them. So these are angels with Satan presenting himself. Job 2, 1, which says again, the, son, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And then Job 38, 4, where this is God challenging Job. And God basically tells Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determines the measurement surely you know who stretched out his lines and then he says this when the morning stars sang together and Come all on. the sons of god shouted for, joy. shouted for joy so these are the four main expressions in the hebrew bible where they refer to the sons of god being angelic beings there's nowhere in the bible that uses this hebrew text or this hebrew iteration to describe humans the Seth of Son or Tyrant Kings. This is 100%, according to all the scriptures I gave you in the Bible, 100% fallen angels and let's just say this, angelic beings that was having sex with people. Now, I did a video, Alexander, last week on spiritual spouses and I kept getting the same comment over and over and over in the video. Angels or spirits can't marry people and the reason why they were saying that was, we talked about it earlier, Matthew 22, 30 and Mark 12, 25, which says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And then listen to this. They will be like the angels, but notice what Come Jesus on. says, in heaven. 
So you, you're not reading it accurately. You don't understand that it's exactly. possible for spirits and fallen angels to marry people. And I'm going right. to tell you why. Because Jesus was saying at, at the resurrection, in the resurrection, when Christ returns and those people are resurrected, we're not going to go to heaven after the resurrection and get married because the angels in heaven don't get married. But remember, what does Jude say? Jude say that the angels fell from their original dwelling place in heaven. So we're not Come talking on. about, we're not in heaven, y'all. So angels still try to marry people. Spirits still do marry people. They're called spiritual spouses. We're not talking about that tonight. We have already have videos on that. But they're doing this because they're not in heaven. We're talking about on the earth. So you need to remember this in our talking, in our teachings for you to quote New Testament. You need to look at New Testament context when Jesus says, after the resurrection, when you're in heaven, you're not going to marry because the angels in heaven don't get married. But marriage is different when the angels got cast down to the earth. Genesis 6, the angels, the fallen ones, the Nephilim, which don't just mean giants. You can touch on some of this too. Don't just mean giants, but are actually any Hebrew grammarian is going to tell you that this does not translate to just giants. It translates to fallen ones or to evil ones. So this is what the Nephilim were. These were evil spirits. These were angels. These were however you want to say it, that were having sex with humans and their offspring were the Nephilim, were the heroes of the time. And so I think this is important that we know because I've heard all these people say, the Nephilim were natural. These were the sons of Seth. After, you know, Cain and Abel, the whole thing happened. Abel died. Then they had Seth to replace the lineage of Abel. We know the Bible says in Genesis that Abel's bloodline was pure. They, they worshiped God and that Cain's bloodline was evil. And people say, well, these were just Seth's children having sex with women and their offspring were giants. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible and any Hebrew grammarian is going to tell you or Hebrew scholar that these are the fallen ones. These are fallen. These are spirits. These are angels. These are not normal people. Every text where we see sons of God, even when we look at like Adam's relationship with God is a father-son relationship, but the Bible doesn't say Adam is a son of God. David also has a father-son relationship, but the Bible doesn't say that David is a son of God. The sons of God, clearly according to Job and the things that we're seeing here, were angelic beings. So you need to notice this. Right. It's possible for angelic beings to have sex with humans. And we know this, not just because the Bible gives us this, but Alexander, how many people do we deal with that say, Isaiah, an angel, a demon, however they see it, a person comes to me at night and rapes me and has sex with me. And that's what we call incubus or succubus. And you can't just right. say, that's not right. That's not in the Bible because it is in the Bible. According to Genesis six, it's a very real reality. And you might say, well, angels don't have reproductive organs. Angels can shapeshift. They can become humans. We see this all throughout scripture. How many times did the Bible say an angel appeared and it looked like a man? In fact, I met an angel and it looked like a man. The Bible says that if you entertain strangers, you might be entertaining angels. Now, how is it possible, Alexander, that I could be entertaining an angel and not understand it was an angel? Well, that's because the angel looked like a person. And that's what you have to understand is angels have the ability, we're not gonna go too deep into this, to look like well, people. Well, well, so well, well, go well, ahead, well, go look, for it. Well, well, look at this. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me biblically validate what you're saying about angels. Uh, first of all, let, let me say this. Um, to assume that when humans die and then they become like the angels, to, to assume that that text is saying that angels are, were created sexless, uh, sexless is an assumption. That's just a misappropriation of the text. That's just an assumption that, that people are making because someone taught them uh, to say that. But, but watch this. That doesn't make sense to me. Want to know why? Because in Genesis chapter 19, we find angels 
eating, mm. eating with Abram. So you, so you mean to tell me angels are not created with stomachs? Do you see what I'm saying? So if mm. angels can, can come to earth and eat at Abraham's house and eat, it says they ate, they ate with, the t- with three, with two angels and the Lord. It says that they ate. The angels ate, but the Lord did not eat. And then the angels got up and then they left to go to Sodom. Now watch this. So if the angels ate, then why would God in heaven create an angel with a stomach? Do, do you see what I'm saying? How so, so, so for us to assume that angels were created sexless simply because uh, Matthew chapter 22 says uh, that angels neither marry or given a marriage is eisegesis, which means you're taking one text and you're building a whole doctrine around that. And it's, it, it is not proper exegesis. Now, to even move a step further, watch this. To understand that the patriarchs before the writing of the, of the book of Moses, the Pentateuch, the men of Sodom, when they saw those angels, yep. the same angels. Now watch this. We're not talking about another set of angels. The very same angels that just finished eating, who in heaven don't have stomachs, let's just say. They come to earth, or they have a stomach now. So if they don't have a stomach, where did the food go when they ate? Do you see what I'm saying? So watch this. They go to Sodom. They go to Lot's house. You guys know the story, Genesis 19. And the men of Sodom start banging on the door of Lot's house and say this, bring these men out so that we may have sex with them, which means that they were trying to reenact what had happened in Genesis chapter six. Now watch this. This was during the time of Abraham. Abraham was uh, Shem, the descendant of Abraham, or rather the the ancestor of Abram, was still alive based on the years that he lived, was still alive when Abram popped on the scene. This lets me know that the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah was not that far after the coming out of the ark, which means the whole idea of men cohabitating with the sons of God and uh, having intercourse was still fresh on their mind, which is why when they saw them, they recognized them as angels and they wanted to have sex with them. Why? Because they wanted to reproduce the Nephilim again. So it, it has always been part of the patriarchal mindset and worldview. The idea that sons of God, which is another word for the Benai Elohim, the Benai Elohim, the son, the sons of an Elohim or sons of the supreme Elohim sleeping with the daughters of men, producing a race of giants uh, called the Nephilim or the fallen ones or hybrid Or let's just go even a step further. You might not like the word demigod. The idea of demigod is not just uh, Greek mythology. They got that from Genesis chapter 6. Hybrid. Half son of God, half human. Now, why? Why, why, Why the idea of Nephilim? Very simple. Because spirits cannot function on earth without humans giving them legal permission and spirits cannot manifest on the earth without a human host. Why? Because it is illegal. It is illegal for the spirit, Lucifer and the devil to manifest on the earth without the human body, giving them legal entry to function. So therefore what? If I can cohabitate, uh, create my own offspring 
who carry my DNA but have legal authority to function, then I am functioning on the earth and carrying out my will to my, to my descendants or to, to my offspring. And this is exactly what happened during the time of the flood of Noah. The reason for the flood was not just man's wickedness. Good. It was because of the Nephilim, not only because of the Nephilim, uh, it was because of the sons of God manipulating and genetically altering creation. Wow. Watch this. The Bible goes even a step further. You could go read this in the King James. God said, I am angry, watch this, with man, and I'm angry with the animals. Wait a second. Why would God be angry with the animals? Very simple. Because the serpent gave its body to the serpent. Genesis chapter 3. Wow. God judged the serpent, the animal, the species, and then God cursed the serpent, the devil. Why? So God was both angry. The text says not just with mankind, but with animal kind. Why? Because animals began to also give their species over. And watch this. And we know that this is true because why was there a why was there an unclean animal during the time of Noah when the whole idea of unclean animal was through Moses? Did you catch what I just said? God said, take seven pairs of every clean animal and one, two pairs of every unclean animal. Wow. Well, wait a second. Why would God say that they're unclean if the whole idea of being ceremonially unclean was two to 300 years later when Moses penned it through the law. So, so God was angry with the animals. And this is why you and I uh, see throughout history, the myths of old, where you would see half man, half animal. Even the Egyptians saw that. Through their glyphs, you see half a face of a dog, half a body of a falcon. This is genetic alteration of the sons of God, the Benai Elohim, a.k.a. the Watchers, manipulating the human genome and the animal genome to try to reproduce after their own kind. So when God saw his creation had gone completely corrupt, God said, I'm going to send the flood. And I'm going to start all over. And I have only found one man who's perfect wow. in his generations or who is perfect in his generations, which means his genes is pure enough so that I could start over again and repopulate human mankind. So that way it's not corrupted to the point that the Messiah could not come. So this is all biblically uh, uh, accurate that the Bible is actually telling us that this is what happened uh, pre-Diluvian flood. And watch this. And all of our ancient ancestors of every tribe and every nation has the same story. Yep. That, that star beings or beings came down from the heavens and co-populated with humans and different uh, races called them by different names. The, the Hopi people called them uh, the Anunnaki, right? The, 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 or the star people from the heavens that they came. Uh, the Mesopotamian and the ancient Sumerians called them the Anunnaki, which means from the heavens that they came. Who 
of these people from the heavens that just showed up out of nowhere and gave man information so that man can get into the dark arts and sorcery and tap into uh, the codes and the binary laws of the human species to be able to uh, 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 enslave other uh, other species, uh, other races of people. They got it from the sons of God, the fallen watchers that came down in exchange for their daughters. Now this is all over the book of Genesis, but you can find it even a little bit more in Genesis chapter four with Cain. Cain left the presence of the Lord and the Bible says Cain was of the wicked one. And then it says Cain founded a city. He named the city Enoch. It's not the same Enoch that we know, but there was a parallel. Cain's Enoch, his firstborn son was named Enoch. And then you have Enoch the seventh from Adam. They're both walking around in the same time. The word Enoch means innovation. It means teaching. It means knowledge. It means information. So this lets me know during the time of Enoch, there was information. There was supernatural information. Now, how did Cain tap into that? Very simple. If you read the genealogy of Cain, it actually tells you that his descendants were the father of technological advances that mm. the Bible says that so-and-so was the father of this and so-and-so was the father of that. How did they get that information? Very simple. Genesis chapter 6 says, the Benai Elohim, the watchers, whose assignment was to watch the nations to make sure man progressed forward uh, according to God's plan, as they watched the human species 200 of them fell in love mm. with the daughters of men. Now, you, you're probably saying that's impossible. Well, for those of you that are married, let me ask you a question. When you look at your wife, don't you fall in love with your wife by merely looking at her? It's the same thing. When I look at my wife, I, I, am, I am blessed to have her in my life. And I go, man, Lord, thank you that you blessed me with this beautiful woman of God. Don't you think the watchers would do the same thing. Now the text says that they married and here is where things get a little bit different. And this is leading into the Nephilim because this is Nephilim. Watch this. The fathers of the daughters of men made covenant with the watchers in exchange for angelic technology. That was the deal. The deal was you give me your daughter and I'll help you advance in the sciences. I will help you advance with information that you don't know. Now watch this. And with this information that no one else knows, you will be able to enslave wow. the human population based on knowledge. Did you catch what I just said? Aren't we seeing that today in this pandemic? What's leading this culture in the world today is information. It's knowledge. Knowledge is power. Very simple. So in exchange, these men gave their daughters to the watchers and they produce a race of giants called the Nephilim. And I wanted to just throw that out there so that way you could biblically say it. But Isaiah, go ahead and jump what, in. Which is a biblical you know some listen there's people in the chat as we're reading and this is just makes me laugh and again we're not going to pander to the chat or none of that we have mods that are going to do that 
We're reading Genesis chapter 6 and people have an issue because they don't read their Bible. Guys, you got to read the Bible. You have to study. So many of you, and I'm just going to be honest, there's 3,300 of you total watching. The only Bible you get, and I don't want to go off topic here, is the Sunday morning five verses your pastor gives you. You don't read your Bible. You don't know church history. You don't understand how this all happened. You don't understand why the flood happened. You just learn, oh, well, Noah built an ark. And so as we go into this, it's the same thing, Alexander, when we talk about believers are called to drive out demons when we talk about believers are called to heal the sick people don't understand they're mind blown by the fact that wait a minute mark 16 17 says i can cast out demons why is that because people don't read the bible they don't believe the bible and i want to touch on and you know what you just said is backed up by scripture because what happened when the angels came to lot Lot offered his daughters. As you just said, they were trading their daughters to these angels. And Lot said, you can have my daughters. Don't Come take on. these angels that are here because the men were trying to have sex with the angels. That's how wicked they were. And Lot said, you can have my daughter. Don't take the men. So it seems like in their culture, they're just used to giving away their kids. I mean, if somebody broke into my house, my first thought is not, let me give these guys my daughters. That's not my first thought, but it was ingrained right. in their culture. And this is another thing. I want to touch on some of you might be saying well why did the bible not go on to detail on this why did they not tell us this why doesn't the bible oh this is good preaching explain more about nephilim and about the fallen angels and about even satan getting cast from heaven we only find it one time why does the bible not explain more about christians having demons why does the bible not just dis explain more descriptions of how to drive out demons i'm going to tell you why because the writers of scriptures assumed they didn't yes. need to explain so when exactly. moses is writing in Gen oh i feel the holy ghost uh, genesis chapter six and Mo moses doesn't have to explain nephilim he doesn't need to explain it because he knows the people that i'm writing to already know about the nephilim they've already encountered yes. they've dealt with this hybrid species and this is the same reason why we the bible doesn't explain christians having demons we don't need to explain it because the disciples knew of course believers can have demons why do we need to explain that everybody knows that because believers are manifesting and getting delivered in the book of acts so you need to understand if the bible doesn't go into great detail or only mention something once or twice the bible or the writer which that being moses assumed did you catch it there we go come on alexander i feel your anointing right now the bible assumes we'd already we already knew this stuff so this let me just say this the teaching on the nephilim what we're telling you tonight is not some extra adding on extra sauce on the side to the what the bible says this is the bible and what these people reading the bible already knew about so you guys might be in the chat i've never heard this i can't comprehend this this can't be real but this is not what they were shocked about in the bible and even when we talk nephilim we're not talking about 10 feet tall giants here okay fallen ones which also could be translated giants we're not talking about 15 tall i want you to see what amos 2 9 says it says i god destroyed the amorites before them which were a league of giants though they were as tall as cedars and strong as oaks so we Come think on. of giants or nephilim let's just get our picture because I, I really want to wrap your guys head around the context of what we're talking about we think alexander 10 to 15 tall that's what i always thought 10 feet to 15 feet tall i want you to think about more of 50 to 100 feet tall why do you say that isaiah because cedars in lebanon you can google this are grow up to being a hundred feet tall and God is saying in Amos 2.9 that these people were as tall as cedars and as strong as oak trees. So as tall as cedars, how tall are cedars? A hundred feet is the maximum a Lebanon cedar can get to. So these giants biblically could have been 
30 to 50 feet. Now, here's what I want to talk about as well. I want to touch on what you just talked about, Alexander. Genesis 6-4. This is your Bible, guys. This is what Genesis 6-4 says. These were the, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, heroes of Come old on. and the men of renown. Now, the word uh, renown literally means men of fame, men who gained a great reputation and were renowned for their strength, their power, their bravery, their ungodliness, and their evil deeds. So who were these mighty men of renown that Genesis 6-4, not Isaiah or Alexander, Genesis 6-4 talks about? Could it be that these mighty men were revealed in Greek mythology? Could it be these were the men that were Hercules, Achilles, Zeus, Titans? Friend, they didn't just make up these mythological creatures. As Alexander said, back in those cultures, they knew something came from the stars, bred with humans, Hercules, Achilles, Zeus, Titans. These were offspring, according to Greek mythology, which is not made up stuff. This is history, just like the book of Enoch. It's a historical document. It's not the book of Mormon where somebody had a revelation, wrote it down. That is not what the book of Enoch is. It is a historical document. And these are the people that even the world and Greek mythology and history will tell you these men were. So the Greeks, go for it, The idea of the giants, is in every culture all through the bible all, too all over the world in every culture the idea of star people coming from the stars breeding with humans producing a race of giants is all over the ancient history of all history in mostly every ancient culture that existed and to just go even a step further these nephilim were the ones who built who built the megalithic yep. structures that are still standing today all over the world that even our best scientists cannot explain how is it that these particular structures uh, have existed. Every cataclysmic thing hit on the earth and they're still standing today. And watch this. And even the Mayans uh, and the Incas and, and, and the Sumerians, you can see when they arrived and where they started building on these megalithic structures because the architecture is different and they can actually show it to you that this was here and they will tell you this was here when we got here. And what we did was we continued to build where they left off and you see that their stones were just regular stones and brick and mortar. But the others, the megalithic structures were literally placed symmetrically perfect that they themselves and our scientists of today are saying, we did not, we don't know where these came from other than what the ancient history of every culture is saying is that these giants came, they enslaved the human population to worship them. They became the new gods uh, that the Canaanites, the Hivites, and ancient cultures of Africa and Asia uh, 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 the, uh, who would say that they came down on a flying dragon and, and the Hopi people and the Native Americans. By the time we got to Native America, uh, to, the, to the Americas, the, the Native Americans would tell you that there were giants when they got here and they called them the red hair giants. And they had to conspire against them to take them out because, watch this, the Nephilim would eat the, okay, watch this. Many of the animals that are extinct today, they were not extinct because of human intervention. They were extinct because the Nephilim were eating them. Wow. And after they began to eat them and they ran out, they turned their hunger towards humans 
and they started cannibalizing humans. And that's when the humans began to fight back. Watch this. Even our nursery rhymes talk about the giants. Jack and Jill, the whole idea, fee, fi, fo, fum, I smother. This was a giant in the heavens and the Jack and the Beanstalk. Did you catch what I just said? The whole idea of giants, it is not far-fetched. And let me say this for those, oh, that's just myth. That's just myth. A myth is different from a fable. A fable is a made-up story. A myth is based on some sort of truth that has gotten exaggerated throughout the years, but the underlying theme of the myth is actually true. So watch this. So when I hear things like Hercules, why would that sound far-fetched when the Bible has a Hercules? His name is Samson. How is it that the story of Samson with supernatural strength, now he wasn't a Nephilim, but the idea of a man endowed with supernatural strength, carrying large boulders and the gates of iron and literally throwing them at the Philistine, we only find that story one time in all of the Bible. You want to know why? Because when the Bible only mentions something once, heaven is saying, pay attention, because that event is of the utmost importance. So when I hear this idea, that's, that can't be possible. You guys are heresy. It makes biblical sense. Now, now, now let's get into the, the idea of a hybrid, Isaiah, because I think this leads into the whole idea of demigod. Okay, maybe you don't like the word demigod. Okay, I get it, because it's been commercialized with movies and, and, and things like I get it. So let's deal with hybrid. Is hybrid biblically possible? Yes, in three instances in scripture. Number one, Jesus is theoanthropos. He is 100% God and he is 100% man, God-man. The only difference is God was incarnate in Christ. God manifested in the flesh. But Jesus said, I am the son of man making him 100% human and 100% God, hybrid, theoanthropos, God-man. Let's go to the book of Daniel. I'm not going to read it. We're going to throw it out there. The book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and we know the dream comes from heaven because Daniel said, the dream was given to you, O Nebuchadnezzar, from he that sits on the throne. And he saw an image of a man. And in the image, his head was gold. His chest was bronze. His torso and stomach was silver. Watch this. His legs was made of iron. Now watch this. His feet was made of iron mixed with clay. Now we're going to come back to that a little bit later because it's very, very interesting. So what do we find? We find four different elements mixed into one. Not only that, watch this. Many of these elements cannot be attained unless you mix other metals together. So God is saying hybrid is possible. Let's go even a step further. That's Old Testament man of God. The apostle John in the book of Revelation has another vision. Revelation chapter 9, 
he sees a vision of the angel opening, opening the bottomless pit. And out of the bottomless pit, these species came out who had the body of a locust, the, the head of a lion. Look at this, the tail of a scorpion. Now, obviously, this is metaphoric. It is symbolic. Yes, that's proper exegesis. But the parallel is there. That this is a hybrid. And then he goes a step further and says that they had the hair of a woman. Wait a second. What are those species or these entities coming out of the bottomless pit? These were the watchers that Second Peter chapter 1 said God bound them in chains and locked them in hell. The word hell in Second Peter chapter 2 is the word Tartarus. Is where you and I get the word Titan. Or rather, this was the prison of the Titans. Sound familiar? Greek mythology, the Titans who were fighting. Who was a Titan? Kronos and then Zeus fighting. Did you catch it? Zeus was fighting Kronos and Hades fighting. Now, obviously, the story gets changed through oral tradition, but the theme remains the same, that the Titans were at war. Well, that's in Revelation chapter 12. And Michael, who's a son of God, was contending with the dragon, who was a fallen son of God, and there was war in the heavens, and the dragon was cast out and thrown to the earth. So John is seeing a vision of a group of entities coming out who were hybrid. Not only this, the fact that they had hair like a woman is letting us know these were the sons of God who were locked in prison who fell in love with women. So the idea of, listen, the idea of a hybrid is actually biblically possible. Now watch this. How does that happen, man of God? We don't know because the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, no one understands when the spirit enters a fetus. It's the same way. Watch this. The incarnation cannot be explained. All we know is the Holy Spirit overshadowed a human vessel named Mary, and she produced a God-man. We know she produced a God-man because Revelation chapter 12 said the woman gave birth to a man-child who was to rule the nations. And we find that this man-child was caught up to the heavens. Well, that's Christ. So this idea of hybrid is actually biblically, biblically possible. I'm going to throw it back at you, Isaiah. So good. I love what you talked about as well, is that these Nephilim, these hybrids, were the ones that were responsible for building pyramids and all these monolithic structures that today people today with all of our lasers and technology don't know how pyramids got there i don't know if you guys know this but to this day nobody knows why or how pyramids are exactly pointed and aligned with the compass and 2008 over 138 pyramids have been discovered in egypt some of them listen to this over six million tons Six million tons, this is how much they weighed. But there's no advanced technology back then. But they came from thousands of years ago. So how did they get there? And this is what the world points to 
supernatural beings, some type of, and the world calls them aliens, we call them Nephilim, right? Some supernatural technology, yet the Bible tells us this. And, any, and again, if you look into Greek mythology, they talk about the heroes of old and the men of renown. Where did they get that teaching? From the Bible, friend. Science and a lot of times science fiction echoes and mimics what the Bible already says. Sadly, the world will watch these shows and believe it, but the church doesn't believe this stuff. They don't understand this stuff. Even the fact where we talk about spiritual spouses, angels, demons, having sex with people, people freak out, say there's no way. Even not only is it experiential, which is experiences valid, of course experiences are valid. What did Jesus tell the, dis the, the disciples of John the Baptist? John the Baptist's disciples came, they came to him and said, are you the one? John's in prison. He wants to know Jesus, you're the one. Jesus did not say, tell John what the Old Testament says. Jesus said, tell John what you have seen experienced and what you have heard and go back to John and tell John about your experiences. And I hate when people say this and these are religious people. Well, brother, that's just experience. When someone comes to you and says a demon raped them, you can't believe them. They're just having experiences. When somebody comes to you and says they experienced an angel or this, that's just experiences. Experiences aren't real. Experiences are biblical. Yet Jesus says, go base your experience or base your, what you're going to tell them on your experience. So experiences do have a place in what we're talking about. Now, here's right. the thing. We can give you the Book of Enoch, and I haven't, I've gotten asked this a million times, Alexander, in the last year. Book of Enoch, Book of Enoch, Book of Enoch. I haven't talked about it or touched on it. Now I can tell you guys, it is a historical document. It's not canon, it's not scripture. And here's the thing, we're not even giving you the Book of Enoch tonight. We could go on and on for hours on this. We're not even right. giving you historical documents. We're giving you scripture. We're giving you what the Bible talks about. Now the book of Enoch was written between 200 BC and 200 AD, and it is the oldest manuscript that's ever been found. It was found before the manuscripts that we have, which are in the canon, which are of our Bible. But you have to understand, I love what you talked about in the beginning, church history, the church, early church history, knew about the book of Enoch, and we know this because Jude, as you said, quotes it. Well, how could Jude be quoting the book of Enoch? Because he was reading the book of Enoch. He didn't learn it from the Bible. The Bible doesn't say what Jude said. Jude said this was from the seventh from Adam, which is Enoch. And the only place right. we even see Enoch is in Genesis 5.21, where it says, in one short passage, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had other sons and other daughters. That's the only place we see Enoch. We don't know anything else about Enoch. Yet Jude literally gives a quote from Enoch 1.9. Jude gives a quote. The brother of Jesus, can't get any closer, friend, gives a quote because Jude was reading the book of Enoch, this historical document. And we're not even giving you guys that, we're giving you scripture, but that will tell you. Now, I haven't read the whole book, I've touched on it. I know you've read it, I know you have it. But these guys, we're not, we're not telling you the book of Enoch is canon or scripture or wholly inspired by the Holy Spirit. We're telling you as a historical document, like you go and read your history books on the history of America, this is a document that's gonna describe in greater detail everything we're talking about but the bible doesn't go into great detail because the bible expected the the listeners and the readers which were not originally us to already know what we're telling you so we can't just write this off tonight and say this is some outlandish crazy thing this is historical this is in your bible and this really does happen and is as you understand these things you start understanding the origin of demons the origin of angels how this right. all functions and how again we have to go back to this Will there be 
a return of the Nephilim? Will there be a type where we get to? Now, we're already dealing in what you talked about earlier, genetics. Right now, now it's not, it's not legal in the United States, but in other countries, if you didn't know this, do some research. They are taking animal genes, connecting them into human genes, and they're saying you can get better hearing, you can get better eyesight, and they're genetically modifying humans right now as we speak. This is not outlandish. This is not legal in the US, but if you go to other countries, they are taking genes from animals, and I love what you touched on because I've never heard that how literally the serpent, the spirit, the Satan went into the serpent and was hybrided with an animal, but they're already doing this, guys. They're taking animal genes in other countries, okay, someone said China, in other countries, and they're putting them into humans, and they're mixing with our genes, with our genome, and they're enhancing humans. And we can go even deeper, we, we won't, on supernatural strength. They're taking genes from animals that are strong, putting them in humans, and saying now, and they're doing this in the military. They're taking genetically modified humans, and they're trying to make some hybrid soldiers. Now, this is not legal when it comes to like the Geneva Convention, the rules of war, but how many know we've been doing stuff that's not legal for years and other countries are doing right. this right now. So that, let me just say this, and everyone's saying, we fact checked you, you're telling the truth. Okay, I know I am, thank you. Let me just say this, as in the days of <laughs> Noah, the words of Jesus, so will it be in the second coming of the son of man. If angels in the days of Noah, and this is when God decided to destroy the human race. Now we know Moses already said before the flood, there was Nephilim and after the flood, there was Nephilim. What does that mean? It means now I know there's people in chat that believe there's no more Nephilim. They all died in the flood. Well, that's not what Moses said. Moses writing Genesis six said before and after, according to Genesis six, that was, so what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That means after the flood angels, started reproducing again with humans and the world became wicked. Well, why did God not kill everybody again? Because God already promised he would never destroy humanity again. That's where the rainbow comes from. And God is not a man that he should lie and God does not retract what he speaks. So was there now after the flood, men became wicked again? Of course they did because the Bible says there was giants before and there were giants after and all these pyramids and these monolithic structures were made after the flood. So you guys have to understand when people are coming and now let's bring it to just today context. I'm gonna turn it back over to you. When people are coming to us saying, I got raped by a demon, which I've had many people tell me this, or an angel, or however you want to give it in your wording. We can't write them off as crazy. We have to understand that as in the days of Noah. So Come let me on. not freak you out here. I know there's kids listening. It is what it is. Will there be the enemy releasing another attempt? He's already doing it. Right now, people in the chat have had humans come to them that are demons that shapeshift, fallen angels, however you want to word it, and have had sex with him. Even right now, as I'm speaking, people are dealing with this and saying, I can't get free from this. My pastor thinks I'm crazy. Your pastor thinks you're crazy because he doesn't read the Bible and he doesn't look at scripture and look at what Jesus says. And that's why your pastor doesn't cast out demons because he doesn't read the Bible. He doesn't believe the Bible. If Jesus did it, we're called to do it. It's not what would Jesus do, it's do, it's do what Jesus did. That's New Testament. So you guys have to understand, again, we're not trying to convince you. I don't want you to think I'm trying to sit here and convince you. I don't need to convince you of what Jesus wrote and the Bible talks about in scripture, but you need to understand the days that we're going into. Now, why are we talking about this today, February 23rd, 2021? Because we're moving closer into the second coming of the Son of Man. And as we move closer, the signs of Noah are going to be unraveled, unleashed, and continue on the earth. So as believers, we cannot be ignorant to it, saying, what is going on? Why am I having these experiences? 
because the Bible says wickedness is going to increase. And we talked, we touched on that last time, the outer darkness, the increase of darkness on the earth. I want to pass over to you. I know you have some stuff to get into on the origin of demons. I know I'm, I'm going long here, but right. it is what it is. This is something we have to be aware of as believers and we have to have eyes to be able to see what's going on right now. Now, how does this relate? First of all, this is absolutely amazing. And if you're just coming in at the tail end, make sure that you go back later tonight and watch the first hour uh, because literally we set the foundation. Now, how does this connect to demons? Very simple. We established that Genesis chapter six literally is telling us that God was angry with man and with animals and decided to wipe them off the face of the earth with the exception of a particular group of animals and eight people. Now watch this. How does this connect to the, to the demonic? Very simple. When God sent the flood, he decided to wipe out the Nephilim. Now, where do their spirits go when a Nephilim dies physically? Watch this. Because they are not registered. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Now, you have to understand how things operate in the earth. The courtroom of heaven governs the affairs of the earth, which means anybody that's born or created on the earth is because the courtroom of heaven documents it. They are documented. This is why the Bible says even the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Oh, man, this is some good stuff. Now watch this. Look at 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 this. So watch this. When the Nephilim died, they are undocumented. Why? Because God did not create them. They are the byproduct of manipulating God's creation. So therefore, watch this. They neither went to heaven or went to hell. They were assigned to wander the earth until the great day of judgment. Now, now let, me, let me say it again so that you can see how they become demons. And, I'm, and this might challenge many of you, and this is debatable. Demons are not fallen angels. Fallen angels is a whole other category. Demons are disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that now are working for the prince of the power of the air because they're left to wander the earth and the enemy... The devil who is in charge, because the Bible says the whole world lies under the wicked one. The wicked one began to, the wicked one embraced a whole new army aside from his angels. And fallen angels, watch this, are in the heavens. Fallen angels that fell with the devil are in the, uh, under the earth. And then there's Tartarus where the watchers are locked. That's a whole nother thing. Now watch this. When God, and this is all Bible, when God, Look at this. When God destroyed the Nephilim through the flood, their spirits were left to wander the earth and they became demon. Now, the word demon or daimon, all it means is one who stands in between two people to separate. That's all the word demon means. Now, watch this. Look at this. Look at this. The reason why a demon or a Nephilim is looking to re-inhabit a human soul again is because the demons are are driven by absolute desire they are enslaved to their desires the best way that i can help you understand this is this those of us that are alive uh those of you that have a favorite dish whatever your favorite dish is to eat now imagine you die god forbid and your spirit is left to wander and to linger on the earth and as you wander the earth, going in and out of different houses, and you see someone eating 
your favorite dish, what would what, what would go through your mind? Absolute desire to have what you used to have, to taste what you used to taste, to feel what you used to feel, to embrace and to touch what you used to touch. But because you are a spirit and the law of the courtroom of heaven has said spirits cannot uh, invade human uh, mankind without humans giving them permission. So guess what? These disembodied spirits of the Nephilim who desire to function again, they understood. I can't, I can't taste again. Watch this. I can't touch again. But if I could get in a human host, if I could get in a willing vessel that would invite me, the demon, to come in, either through willful invitation or through ignorance, generational curse, witchcraft, all that stuff. And watch this. And I could get in a human being through the human. I can touch again. I can taste again. I can feel again. Did you catch it? So this is why, watch this. This is why, look at this. The demons desire so much to get in a human body. Why? Because they had a human body before. And they want to they wanna be able to function again, to feel again. This is why human or demon possession is at an all-time high. Why? Because demons want to feel again. Demons want to touch again. Why? Because the human is giving them permission to feel and to touch and to desire through them. Did you catch what I just said? So this is why. Now, you're probably saying... This is biblically impossible. Well, watch this. Let me read 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10. I want somebody in the chat room to copy and paste it and put it in the chat room. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, as concerning women covering themselves, and I'm not talking about the legalistic way of looking at this verse, but look at Paul. Paul is looking at it from an Enochian mindset. Remember the idea of angels, sons of God, and humans cohabitating and having intercourse was in the mind of the early church. So look at this. He wrote to the, to the ladies, he said, for this cause ought the woman uh, to have power on her head because of the angels. Whoa, wait a second. The apostle Paul said that a lady should cover herself, not just because as an example and an expression of her submission to both her husband and not only the spiritual significance of her submission to Christ, but also there are angels watching there are angels watching. Well, obviously, what angels is he talking about? He's not talking about God's holy angels. He is talking about, he is talking about the angels, the, the benign Elohims. This is New Testament. So Paul is letting the ladies know. Listen, the idea and this Enochian, Enochian means Enoch. This Enochian mindset was still prevalent. Listen, in Corinth, 
Why? Because in Asia Minor, they were enslaved to Greek mythology. And this is why, now keep in mind, watch this, watch this. Look at this. Corinth is the very same city that we find that they had an idol to everything, even to the unknown God. He said, and to that God, I'm going to preach unto you. So he knew that the Corinthian Christians were enslaved to demon worship or to angel worship. And this is why Paul also says in Colossians chapter 2, let nobody deceive you with the worshiping of the benai Elohim. Why? Because they are still functioning. Why? Incubus, succubus, spirit husband, spirit wife. Now, for those of us in the West, this makes absolutely no sense. But go to Africa. That's the norm in Africa. And go to the Caribbean. That's the norm in the Caribbean. Go to South America. And that's the norm in South America. Or go to some of the Scandinavian countries when they're trying to get connected to their Nordic gods of Thor and Odin. Now, obviously, we see this in movies and therefore we have a disdain of it. But there are people that really worship that stuff. You don't believe so? We have movements called the Druids. The Druids, they believe in that stuff. We don't, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's not true simply because you don't believe in it. It's because we are uninformed or we have been misinformed, but this is actually all biblically possible. The reason why demons are desiring to enter human people is because they're driven by a desire that has to and can only be satisfied through a human host. And watch this. And to go a step further to prove that demons are wandering the earth as the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. Demons have not gone to hell yet. You know how I know they haven't gone to hell yet? Because they begged Jesus in Mark chapter 5 to not take them out of the region, and they begged him not to allow him to torment them before the time. Hell is the place of torment. Hell is where they get tormented. And this is why they begged Jesus. They said, have you come to torment us before the time? We beg you, son of God, do not cast us out of this region and do not send us to the abyss. So if you read this with an Enochian biblical worldview like Jude, who's the biological brother of Jesus and the author of the book of Jude, when you read Mark chapter 5, it's plain as day. The demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Watch this. And they have never gone down there yet. But the day is coming when the Bible says the Son of God riding upon a white horse will crack the sky and he will come down and he will take the beast and the false prophet and all the demonic entities and he will take them, judge them, and they will stand before the great white throne and he will cast them into the lake. Now watch this, watch this. They will get cast into the lake before the devil. The devil will be on the earth functioning, watch this, without, without no army, right? And then Christ comes down physically, he takes the devil, watch this, and he binds the devil, Lucifer, for a thousand years where? In Tartarus. He locks him in Tartarus for a thousand years. And guess what happens? 
After a thousand years, the devil comes out of Tartarus and he deceives the whole world again. So do you see how this thing is playing out biblically from an Enochian mindset? And the Bible doesn't give great description of it because it doesn't have to, because it's common knowledge. It's common knowledge. We're the only ones acting up about this. We're the only ones saying, I don't know, brother. I think that's heresy. But at this point, I done showed you enough Bible verses to show you that this is not sensationalism. This is actually biblically accurate worldview that these demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim who are right now working for the devil. Why? Because he is the prince of the power of the air and they work for him. Now watch this. Watch this. The Bible says, just to throw out another nugget, that the Bible says in the book of James that even the demons believe and tremble. Let me rephrase that. Even the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim believe and they tremble. Now, what does that mean? Very simple. Demons are the lowest rank in the totem pole of angelic or spirit being hierarchy. So a demon, watch this, a demon will never think of dishonoring God. They fear God. They tremble. But fallen angels do not tremble. That is why when you read in the book of Daniel, the Bible says that these rebellious beings blaspheme the one who sits on the throne. And the Bible says that the ones in heaven wanted to respond. You could go in Daniel chapter, chapter 10 and 11 and Daniel chapter 9. It says that the, the watchers who were in heaven wanted to respond. And the one who sits on the throne, the man child says, no. Let it be for times and half a time. Why? Because it must fulfill prophecy. So the fallen angels, right, they blaspheme the Lord. Why? Because they are rebellious sons of God, rebellious Elohim, but the demons do not. And this is how you know when you're dealing with a demon or when you're dealing with a fallen angel inside a person. Very simple. It's the demons that the one, are the ones screaming and whimpering and not wanting to come out. Why? Because they don't want to go back to having a desire without it being fulfilled with a human host. A fallen angel will be the one that will roll up his sleeves and want to fight with you. There's a big difference there. So when you're conducting, now do fallen angels inhabit humans at times? Yes, because the Bible says Satan entered Judas. Now, why did it have to be Satan and not a demon? Because the demon, there was no demon high enough in rank to bypass Judas's apostolic authority. Only the prince of the power of the air. So the Bible says Satan himself entered Judas. And when Jesus looked at Judas, he said, what you do, do quickly. So notice how the devil is working for God. Did you catch that? But the fallen watchers that are in Tartarus, you want to know why God had to lock them there? Because these guys are agents of chaos. They don't submit to nobody. And that's why the Bible says when they got released, they began to destroy everything. And it says if it wasn't for the Lord that to tell them to stop, no flesh would survive. Did you catch, do you see the, the hierarchy of what's going on here? But the demons are disembodied spirits 
of the Nephilim. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, there's 3,500 of you watching and all of you are typing mind blown emojis and oh man, oh man, oh man. We're all, we're, I, I'm feeling the same way. And this makes so much sense. Even as you read the gospels, you don't see Jesus addressing the demons as fallen angels. You don't find it anywhere in the Bible. It's nowhere in the New Testament. And I was thinking about this Alexander recently because I was reading both teachings and again as we said this is subjective to what you guys believe we're telling you what we believe what our doctrine is according to scripture but if you believe if you believe something different that's fine we can still be friends but i've dealt with demons and demons have said you know i was there when they crucified him i was there here i was there there but i've never ever in 10 years of doing deliverance you can speak on your your own experience had a demon say i was cast out of heaven i've never had a demon say i was there before the throne of god worshiping and i always thought why would demons never say they were in heaven but they've always said i was there when jezebel was there i was there in the bible Come i was on. there i've had demons tell me this all the what? time i had a demon one time tell me if you've never heard the story guys i was there when they crucified jesus my response to the demon i didn't ask the demon to tell me this it involuntarily spoke out of the person just like the demon spoke in the bible times i immediately said you lying demon and the holy spirit spoke to me and said isaiah the demon's not lying the demon was there when they crucified jesus and i realized mm. these demons have been here for thousands of years they're not new and here's what's crazy alexander we're preaching this there's over 3500 people watching and you guys are going i've never heard this why is the church never talk about this i'm going to tell you why because it's tuesday night and you your church is having bingo night right now oh come on somebody your <laughs> church is having a potluck right now discussing the new outreach strategy and the carnival they're going to have to try to reach the neighborhood and they're not interested in engaging in spiritual warfare they're not interested in battling demons Although Jesus said, if you're a believer, you are called to be on the front lines. Paul, in his last letter, he's on his deathbed. He's about to croak. He's about to give up his spirit. Paul says, Timothy, hold on. Before I die, let me just, and obviously I'm being dramatic, let me just write you this last letter. You're a soldier, Timothy. Don't let all of these religious bullies, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Come Don't on, let all of these older men in the city talk you out of this, try to bully you, try to discourage you, Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of fear. What was Timothy afraid of? He was afraid of the fact that everyone around him was telling him to settle down, stop shouting, don't talk so fast, don't train people up. We're not in a war, we're not in a battle. So Paul, what does Paul have to do? Paul goes, I'm tired of saying it over and over again. You're a soldier. If you're a soldier, Timothy, why are you stressed out about people that are not in the army that have not enlisted you in other words timothy and in, in context paul's telling timothy don't let these older religious people bully you because timothy they didn't enlist you if you are a good soldier you're not worried about all the religious people and bingo night and civilian affairs bingo night timothy that's for civilians don't get now listen don't be divisive don't go to your pastor after this and say pastor you're wrong Isaiah Salver and Alexander Pagani told me what demons are. You need to teach on Sunday morning on the Nephilim. Do not be divisive. That's not what we're saying. Paul's saying, listen, if you are a soldier, you don't need to be worried about bingo night. Let the civilians, and Paul goes on to say in Corinthians, there's going to be a lot of people barely saved. Let them be barely saved. But if you want to be a special forces on the front lines, a special vessel, because Paul does say there will be some wooden vessels, some average Sunday morning, mm, don't do anything for God. And they're okay because they're there for normal use and you use them every day and they do some good stuff in the community. Oh but then Paul says, do you want to be a golden vessel, a special <laughs> use? Like you're, And if your grandma didn't have this, I don't know where you live because everybody's grandma 
Alexander had a special China hutch and special yes. China ware where that gravy bowl that was some crystal that her passed down from generation to generation that you're not allowed to touch grandma's China. You don't run by it. If you hit her China hutch, you're in trouble. Don't touch it. And you always, well, grandma, why is that? It's always the white plate with the blue indentions. Why do you have yes. that grandma? She grandma takes it out once a year when special guests come over during the family reunion. And then after that, you wash it and you're not allowed to wash it. Only she washes it because she doesn't want you to break it. She puts it away for another year. And then when she's ready to do a special event or special purpose, she takes out the China, the golden China. Paul says the same way grandma takes out the China for special reasons. Do you want to be a special forces, special purpose believer? Or do you want to go to bingo night? Now, listen, it's if you want to go to bingo night, praise the Lord. Be as lukewarm as you can be. I did not give up everything. Stop drinking and partying and leave my old life to go play bingo night with your church down the road and go run around playing flag, uh, flag football. I was enlisted to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to be a soldier. So Timothy, listen, don't be bullied or be in, in, entitled or be like, nobody understands me. Uh, guess what? They're not going to understand you. When Jesus drove out demons, they said he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub. And then Jesus mm. says, listen, if y'all are going to say this is demonic and you're going to tell us what we're teaching tonight is not of God, which I know you're not, 99% of the comments have been positive tonight. He says, that's the epitome of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And he goes, I can't even forgive you for that sin because you're attributing the work of God to the work of Satan. And when you stand before me on judgment day, you've denied the Holy Ghost. You've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. You've denied his working on the earth. You've said casting out demons, spiritual warfare is demonic. And I can't let you in because you've denied a part of the Trinity, a part of me, because the Holy Ghost is just as much God as the Father or Jesus. There are three people in one. He says, you've denied me, so I can't forgive you. Why is it unforgivable? Because you've denied God and nobody can come into heaven that's denied God. And by denying the work, of the Holy Spirit, the work of deliverance, and this is the context what Jesus gave. Don't get mad at me, get mad at Jesus, because it was after they said, you're casting out demons by the power of Satan. Then Jesus describes the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful, guys. When we're up in this, even in the chat tonight, let me see how many of you are there. 3,600 of you total tonight, and you're saying, well, I don't really know, I don't really know. We're challenging you to get in scripture. We've been going, we've been live an hour and a half. If there's anything we've done, and I'll turn it over if you have any other remarks or anything else you want to say before we close. If there's anything we've done, I'm, I want you, and I know it's caused it to happen to you because it's caused it to happen to me, to look at scripture. Many of you have asked, we've gotten over a thousand comments. Can I read the book of Enoch? It is a historical document. Yes, you can read it. Why am I saying you can? Because the brother of Jesus quoted it in scripture. He quoted the book of Enoch. Now, don't take the book of Enoch and say, well, brother, according to Enoch 3, 4, and use it as canon, because it's not canon. It wasn't included in canon. It's a historical document. But is it possible that you read it so that your eyes could be open to the history of what we're telling you? Absolutely. I've been on the fence about this, Alexander, just being honest with you, with the disembodied spirits and the fallen angels. I am 100% as of right now convinced, again, you don't have to believe this, it's subjective, it's what I believe, that demons are the disembodied spirits of these Nephilims that were destroyed in the flood and they have nowhere to go. And that is why Jesus says they go wandering the earth when they can't yes. find refuge, they go back to, and this is what Jesus said, they say this, the demons say this, I'm going to go back to my home. 
Demons consider you their home. Why? Because they don't have a home. Because they're disembodied. They're not registered. They're not fallen angels. Now, the fallen angels, the Bible says, have been locked away. Now, you might ask, well, why do we send demons? We have teach Both of us have teachings on this. We're not going to go into it tonight. But why do we tell demons to go to the abyss or to the pit? It's the same word because, number one, and here's the best reason, they don't want to go there. So it's safe to say right. they told Jesus, don't send us there. That's a good place to send them. But number two, the abyss is the waiting room, or let me Come say it better because Catholics preach that purgatory is the waiting room. So let me not say waiting room. It's the waiting place. It's the prison cell that they wait until God judges, Revelation 2010, till God judges, Ooh. wraps up the false prophet, the beast, and the, all the uh, fallen angels and all the demons with a chain that's unbreakable and throws them into the pit of a burning sulfur to be tormented for all of eternity. So the fallen angels, the demons who are different, Satan, the false prophet, and the beast, and you can go on and talk about the dragon, all these other descriptions, are going to be tormented for all of eternity. Now, who Come are on. those then? that are tormenting people in hell right now. Well, these are the fallen angels and demons that have been cast out of people. Now, just because, listen very closely, your church does not preach about casting out demons does not mean people are not casting out demons. Just because the church in America, which is the smallest church compared to the world, doesn't believe in casting out demons, what about the church in Africa, Alexander? What about the church in Ethiopia? What about the church in China? What about the church in India, who for thousands of years have been casting out demons? Where are those demons going? They're going into the abyss, into that waiting place, and they have some type of ability, according to not just experiences people have in hell, but according to the Bible, the torment of hell, to torment people in hell. But let me make something clear. There is coming a day, Revelation 20, where they are going to be tormented themselves. They will have, there will be enough torment where everybody in hell, including the demons, are gonna be thrown into a burning lake of sulfur and everybody, including the demons, those that are unsaved, right. that have denied the Son of God, rejected the Holy Spirit, will be thrown in the lake of fire where everybody, now, is that the time we live in? No, that's going to be for the future. That's going to be judgment day. And that is why the demons told Jesus, have you come to torment us, torment us? Where are they getting tormented? In the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Have come you on. come to torment us before Revelation chapter 20? And Jesus responses, not yet, but there is coming a day where the demons do tremble, where them, the watchers, the angels, all of them are going to be tormented. So don't stress right. out about it. Listen, all the torment the demons have done to you, all the torment the fallen angels have done, and we can go into another time of principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and second heaven warfare and all that type of stuff. They will all, every demonic power, every demonic force, every demonic spirit is going to be tormented day and night, including Satan, for all of eternity. And you and I, praise the Lord, because of what Christ did on the cross, will be in heaven, and then heaven will come down to earth in New Jerusalem for all of eternity, worshiping before the throne and doing everything God has for us to do and assigned to us in the realm of eternity, which is not what we're talking about tonight. But you need to understand that there is a judgment day coming. So when you are dealing with demons, and this is another proof here, and you tell them you will be judged, they start screaming and freaking out because yes. they know this is the impending doom of demons on the earth. They are tormented. What torments a demon the most? Not just the blood of Jesus, not just smacking Come them on. with the Bible, putting the sword in them, reminding 
accusing them of judgment day. I've had times, yes. and you can say this, Alexander, where demons don't listen, and I, I remind them, you're gonna be held on judgment day for being disobedient. There's going to be judgment for you not obeying the man of God trying to cast you out. You stubborn demon will be judged, and demons hate that, they screech, they yell, and oftentimes that's enough to get them to leave because they know if they're disobedient to us who have the Spirit of God in us, they're going to be held accountable on judgment day for not obeying us when we command them to leave. And there is a levels of judgment according to scripture. So I, I'm, 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 I'm just saying all this to say, I agree with everything you're saying hundred percent. Again, guys, we have not given you the book of Enoch. We could have, and we could right. as a historical document, we've given you all scripture tonight. Scripture. Everything for the last and, hour and, and a half and is and not scripture. Only that, and not only that, to also substantiate scripturally, when we cast a demon out and we send them to the abyss, because I'm notorious for sending them to the abyss. And on top of that, when I, when God, uh, through our ministry, helps people get delivered, I decree that they not get reassigned. I had mm. stuff. So you're probably saying, come on, my brother, like, this is sensational. No, 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 no. The Bible says in two instances of scripture, whatever I bind on earth, will be bound in the courtroom of heaven. Whatever I loose on earth, or rather, whatever I stop on the earth, or whatever I permit on the earth, the courtroom of heaven will also permit it. Not only this, John chapter, look, look, look how much our authority God has given to the church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something, look at this. Very quickly, in John chapter 20, um, um, Jesus appeared to them, and the 12 apostles, when they were on their way to, uh, to go to prayer. In John chapter 20, verse, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. Uh, Jesus said, standing there among them, peace be with you. And then he said, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds and his side, and they were filled with joy as he saw them. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Look at verse 22. It says, then he breathed on them, and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And then the following verse, look at this. Look how much authority is given to the believer that I believe we haven't even tapped into yet. But after he breathed on them and they received an impartation of the Holy Spirit, or rather they were granted apostolic or authority from the courtroom. The next verse says, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven, and whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Wow. Now, what does this mean? Now, I'm not saying we have authority to forgive sin, but we can speak on God's behalf against a demon as an adjudicator of the courtroom of heaven, and God will honor the word that we say. Now, you want, you want another scripture verse? Very simple. Peter looked at Ananias and Sapphira. And he said, because you lied to the Holy Ghost, mm. see those young men, they're going to carry out your dead body. Boom. Now we know God didn't kill Ananias and Sapphira. You know what I'm saying? God don't kill people. But God did honor Peter's apostolic authority. And God backed him up to so much, to so much that what he said, God had to endorse that. We also see this in the Old Testament. When the 42 children began to mock Elisha, and the Bible says he pronounced the curse, and the Bible says two she-bears came out and mauled all 42 of them. Would you want more verses? Ahab sent a band of 50 soldiers to Elijah, and they said, come with us. 
And he said, well, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Fire comes down from heaven and kills the 50 men. So Ahab sends another 50 men. And the same thing happened. By the third time, the soldier said, listen, you're a man of God. Please come with me. And God said, come with this one. What does this mean? That there's a level. Listen to me. There's a level of authority that the believer possesses. And I'm speaking to you that are watching me. If you're in Christ, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And whatever you decree and begin to speak as what? As a royal priesthood, God will begin to endorse. This is why. This is why God must take you as a believer, especially those of you that have a calling, a high calling in God through deliverance. Because the last thing he wants to do is give you this high level of authority and you killing people. Why? Because God has to obey and honor the office that you carry and the authority that you have. And this is why God is saying, if my church would understand how much authority they have in the name of Jesus. And this is why during deliverance, when we cast the devil out by faith, we say things like, come out. And I decree you get taken back to the abyss where you will never be reassigned. And I decree you'll be tormented. God, by faith, and because we have authority as his children seated with Christ, God honors it. And I, and I am making a clarion call to those of you that are Christian. Maybe you're not walking in dimensions like Come me on. and Isaiah, but you have authority in Christ. Use the name of Jesus and get the demon out of your house. Get the demon out of your mind and get the demon to stop visiting you at three o'clock in the morning and fondling you and touching you. The next time that incubus spirit show up, you come against us. I order you in the name of Jesus. Leave my body and leave my house in Jesus' mighty name. And watch that disembodied spirit of the Nephilim pack up and go. I want to encourage everybody. God wants to use you for deliverance. And those of you that are deliverance ministers, God is saying you haven't even scratched the surface. Why don't you pray for him, Alexander, before we end it? We have. And I want to pray for everybody that's watching right now. I want you right there. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray that an impartation be given unto you. I'm going to pray something different. I'm going to pray something different. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to begin to disperse a high measure of the gift of the discernment of spirits so that you can be able to see this dimension that we are talking about. And you could break beyond the filters that you have that are there that doesn't let you see uh, what we were talking about tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and by the authority of the courtroom of heaven, we come in agreement, me and Isaiah, we come in agreement that you would begin to release a fresh impartation of discernment of spirits and high levels of anointing. Father, increase your authority on all deliverance ministers that are watching me. And and Lord, Father, empower the average believer that's new to deliverance or anybody that believes in your son Jesus and has his authority. Father, increase their faith to walk in this dimension of glory. Increase their revelation knowledge. Increase, Lord, the dynamics of how to flow and engage and navigate in the spirit realm. Lord, we pray that you would remove the scale off their eyes so that they can see in the realm of the spirit. 
like Elisha's servant. Father, I pray that you would remove the scales of the religious spirit like Saul of Tarsus. I decree that the religious spirit will come off their eyes. I decree that the blinders on their eyes will come off of them now. I decree that the veil of Moses that is upon their eyes will come off of them now in the mighty name of Jesus. And may there be a fresh impartation of wisdom and insight so that they can see the secrets and the codes and the mysteries of the kingdom. And that way, Lord, when they see the scriptures, they can see this next dimension and that those who will conduct deliverance, Father, that they will not be ritualistic and bound by formulas and rituals, Lord, that they would be able to see like a sharpshooter and like an eagle eye, those demons and those disembodied spirits, where they're hiding and how they got in. Father, upgrade them, send an upgrade to all deliverance and all believers now to operate in deliverance. We pray and we decree it and we release it now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Alexander, the best podcast ever tonight. It gets, listen, here's the thing. Every time we have you on, every time we have these podcasts, I don't think they could get any better. I think, okay, we've just, we've already topped it. We've already hit the ceiling and they just keep getting better and better and better. I feel like we we're just right there in our intro and we're an hour and 45 minutes in. I know guys, a lot of you are going to need to go ahead and rewatch this broadcast. Someone just wrote, I took six pages of notes. You're going to have to go rewatch it. That's the beauty of YouTube and Facebook is it's going to be archived. So you'll be able to go back and rewatch it. There's two things I want to ask you guys. Listen. There's 3,600 of you still on. Do not log off. Two things I want to ask you. Number one, I want to ask you to sow into the ministry. I'm going to sow into Alexander regardless of what comes in. Doesn't matter. He has not asked me for anything. In fact, the last time I had him on, he said, don't send me anything. And I said, no, I'm, I'm still going to because we, we want to honor him. He's poured out into us. And this is not, listen, as I'm listening, I'm like, I, I feel like I should, I know what, no one paid 100% free. Everything was free tonight, but I feel like I should have paid for this tonight. I'm just being honest. I feel like I just went and saw like a, a 200 million million dollar budget movie for free I somehow snuck in and so I want you guys I don't need to give you verses because I gave you some a couple weeks ago and we're not gonna beg you guys we're not beggars we're believers so into what God is doing so into the ministry we're reaching millions of people Alexander's reaching millions of people so the first thing I want to say is so into what God is doing you can become a monthly partner and also give it's linked in the chat and the description secondly do not log off everyone's still on here I want you guys to subscribe the most important thing I can have you do tonight is subscribe to Alexander's channel. How much does it cost? Zero dollars. Just subscribe because he's blasting YouTube. We're blasting the algorithms. We're blasting search engine ranking. We're taking over YouTube for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's really taking it serious this year. We've been working behind the scenes. We've been talking every single day about this. And so I need you guys to go subscribe to his channel. Every time he uploads, comment, like, boost his stuff. He just commented it on Facebook. I've also linked it in the chat, in the description, in the comments on YouTube and Facebook. There's 20... 200 of you watching right now just on YouTube. I need you guys to hit subscribe. He should be gaining like over two to 3,000 subs. And then obviously as you guys rewatch, more people are gonna subscribe, but help him out. We're providing all this free content for you guys. And honestly, all we're asking you to do, now if you have like, I only have $20 to my name, don't give your last $20 to us, please. That's not what we're saying to do. But we're asking you guys to sow into what God's doing and then also to partner with us 
through subscribing, through liking, through commenting, I can say on his behalf, on my behalf, we spend hours and hours and hours preparing content. Some of this stuff takes us six to 10 hours. I could say on my end to prepare. So we're not coming with fluff and stuff. We're not coming with bingo night. We're not coming with a 25 minute watered down message that we downloaded off sermoncentral.com. We're coming with revelation, the word of God, strong, piercing, breaking and we're pouring our lives and we've given our lives we have nothing else to do with our lives but to pour into you guys and to preach the word of god so please 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 i also want to give you just an outro here if there's anywhere else you want to send them or anywhere else they can find you alexander feel free to just plug anything else well no what i wanted to say was i honestly did tell isaiah that i wanted to do the nephilim topic free of charge Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.